In the autumn of 1936, a 30-year-old music teacher from Bad Warmbrunn in Lower Silesia suddenly appeared in a Dorset village with two items in his luggage—a guitar and a portrait in oils of Bach. Like old Viet Bach, the founder of the clan, escaping from Eastern Europe as a religious refugee almost four centuries earlier, Walter Jenke had left Germany just as Jews were being banned from holding professional posts. He settled and found work in North Dorset, married an English girl and, with war imminent, looked for a safe home for his painting. His great-grandfather had purchased a portrait of Bach in a curiosity shop sometime in the 1820s for next to nothing. Doubtless he did not know at the time that this was, and still is, by far the most important Bach portrait in existence. Had Jenke left it with his mother in Bad Warnbrunn, it would almost certainly not have survived the bombardment or the evacuation of Germans from Silesia in the face of the advancing Red Army. I grew up under the cantor's gaze. The celebrated Hausmann portrait of Bach had been given to my parents for safekeeping for the duration of the war, and it took pride of place in the first-floor landing of the old mill in Dorset where I was born. Every night on my way to bed I tried to avoid its forbidding stare— I was doubly fortunate as a child in that I grew up on a farm and into a music-minded family where it was considered perfectly normal to sing, on a tractor or horseback, my father, at table, the whole family sang grace at mealtimes, or at weekend gatherings, outlets for my parents' love of vocal music. All through the war years they and a few local friends convened every Sunday morning to sing William Byrd's Mass for Four Voices. As children, my brother, sister, and I grew up getting to know a grand miscellany of unaccompanied choral music, from Joskin to Pelestrina, Talis to Purcell, Monteverdi to Schutz, and eventually Bach. Compared to the earlier polyphony, Marx's motets, we found, were a lot more difficult technically, those long, long phrases with nowhere to breathe, but I remember loving the interplay of voices with so much going on at once— and that pulsating rhythm underneath keeping everything afloat. By the time I was twelve I knew the treble parts of most of Bach's six motets more or less by heart. They became part of the primary matter in my head, along with folk songs, ribald poems in Dorset dialect, and heaven knows what else stored in my memory, and have never left me. Then, during my teens, I came to know some of his instrumental music. The Brandenburg Concertos, the Violin Sonatas and Concertos, with which, as a distinctly average fiddle-player, I often struggled, and usually lost, between the ages of nine and eighteen, at which stage I switched to the viola. Some of the keyboard pieces and several cantata arias for alto, of which my mother was very fond. Even now I cannot hear arias such as Gelobet sei der Herr mein Gott, The Lord be praised, or Von der Welt verlang ich nichts. I ask nothing of the world, without a lump in my throat, remembering her voice floating across the courtyard from the mill-room. But my early apprenticeship in Bach, the nurturing of a lifelong engagement with his music, and a longing to understand the stern canter at the top of the stairs, I owe to four remarkable teachers—three women and one man—who helped to determine the kind of musician I was to become. The man was Wilfred Brown, the great English tenor, who visited my school when I was fourteen— singing both the evangelist and the tenor arias in a performance of Bach's John Passion. I was so captivated that, unpardonable in a principal second violin, at one point I stopped playing altogether and just gawped. 
As an interpreter of Bach's evangelist, Bill Brown was nonpare. His singing was characterized by an extraordinary subtlety of inflection and word-painting, and by a pathos that was inseparable from his own Quaker beliefs and the humility they brought, something I recognized from my mother's Quaker upbringing. Later on he offered to give me singing lessons from the time I was sixteen until I was twenty-two, sometimes traveling to Cambridge to do so and always refusing a fee. Imogen Holst, daughter of Gustav and amanuensis to Benjamin Britten, was a regular visitor to my parents' home and sometimes led their choral weekends and gave singing lessons to me and my sister.